Hey, you ready? Hey, grab that right there. <laughs> Are you ready? Hey. Is you ready? Ready? You say you ready? Oh. Whole squad ready? Ready? Is you ready? Huh? Are you ready? Ready? Is you ready? Whole squad ready? We came here to see Jet. What you uh, Hello again, everyone. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Quackback Block Show. Another victory podcast for us. Uh, how are you doing, Tom? I'm doing all right. I'm doing good. Excited. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Bowl season. Yeah. Yeah, the bowl season's right around the corner. Yeah, our Ducks won the Pac-12 in a hard-fought battle against the Utes, as expected. Yeah, and we had some standouts in this game. And the big standout is uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. He was all over the place on Friday night. Thibodeau and Brady Breeze. Yeah. It seemed like every time that Zach Moss had the football, Brady Breeze had Zach Moss. Yeah. Brady Breeze is another Ed Reed out there, it seemed like. So, um, yeah, Breeze um, was a, definitely a standout. And Thibodeau had like a bajillion sacks, it seemed. <laughs> and uh, he's pretty close to his goal of 10 this year. So, yeah, it was. Uh, what did you think of the game? Uh, I thought it was a good game. Um, I thought that Justin Herbert uh, fixed whatever he needed to fix, and he came out he's looking great, making good decisions. Uh, he showed that next level of growth that we've kind of been waiting all year for him to to do, throwing open wide receivers, making good decisions, having crisp, clean passes, um, running the ball. That was probably the thing that surprised me the most is how much that Herbert ran with the ball. Um, I don't know what they saw on tape to say, hey, we should probably do this more, but it's probably the same thing that everybody else has seen on tape uh, yeah. the last, uh, <laughs> last 12 games or so. Uh, I was uh, a little less than impressed with our receivers. Uh, a couple of really yeah. easy dropped balls. Uh, I thought our offensive line looked great for the first time all season. I finally appreciated our offensive line for what it was worth. Um, I don't know why I haven't. I knew they were good. Don't get me wrong. But it wasn't until this game where I kind of stood up and took notice and said, wow, we our offensive line is probably the best in the nation. Yeah. Which, you know, I've uh, up to this point was thinking it was somewhere around uh, – uh, maybe maybe Georgia, maybe Wisconsin, but this was the first game that they really impressed me with their their discipline and their their deliberateness. A lot of times, I'll watch an offensive line uh, in in most levels, whether it's college or professional, and it seems like the ball is snapped and the offensive line just kind of looks around for somebody to block. Um, but this time it was the ball was snapped and our offensive line was blocking somebody. They were right there. They knew exactly <clears> what they needed to do and who they needed to be blocking. There wasn't a, I guess there wasn't a, a check to the left or to the right to see who was going to block who. They just knew exactly who they were going to block at every single moment. And that to me was really impressive. And the way that they held up against Utah's really stout defensive line was also really incredible. I think. Brady Aiello didn't even make it onto the stat sheet until halfway through the second quarter. He just didn't seem to be a factor in the game. What did you think of the game, Joseph? 
I was really uh, going into this game. I was really terrified of Utah's um, defensive numbers because they were, <clears throat> when you look at the analytics, they were uh, top five across the board and on defense. And Oregon's offense wasn't performing too well coming into this one. So I was kind of terrified of the Utah defense and with good reason. And also, I was surprised at how effective the offensive line was against that vaunted front seven of theirs and how they blew up in holes for C.J. Verdell to run through. And uh, it was really amazing. And particularly, uh, they, particularly the offensive line just shut down Utah's defensive line in the past game. So they didn't hit uh, Herbert maybe, maybe four times, if at all. And Bradley on it, that was definitely a cheap shot on Herbert on that bad snap. That should have been called a personal foul, but, you know, Pac-12 ref is going to Pac-12 ref. And, <laughs> yeah. And Herbert wasn't wasn't that effective in this game. He he made the throws that he needed to, but he was very inconsistent as usual. And uh, if you read Hithaway's piece earlier, earlier in that week, he, he uh, wrote that the Utah offensive line was right to be exploited and that, Turn, that turned out to be true for the most part, where uh, particularly Kayvon Thibodeau was living in their backfield pretty much the whole game. Thanks, the way Oregon, you do great work. Yeah, yeah, the way the Oregon won the game was to out-physical Utah. That was really, really surprising for us to see. Not so much that we, they were out-physical, um, but we definitely out-staminaed them. It came down to endurance both mental and physical and i think it's outlasted utah um mm-hmm. with the exception of of utah coming out um they came out pretty strong at the end of the first half or at the beginning of the second half yeah i think we just warmed down yeah the offensive line just just pushing around at the end towards the end of the game and utah just didn't want to didn't want to play anymore i think the key was herbert's running running because of uh it looked like Utah didn't even game plan for that at all at the beginning. And they're like, what, what's going on? And, uh, usually, usually, yeah, usually Utah's on point on their defense. So I think they were shocked. And then the, I think that played into, played into it at the end. And also shout out to Troy Dye. Uh, he had a one handed interception. That was pretty good. Well, technically we'll give it to him. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, Tyler Huntley was was decent in this game. It's just the Andy Ludwig turned into Andy Ludwig, and um, Marcus Arroyo turned into Sean Payton for this one game. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know what they were doing at the end of the game where they were throwing hail mary bombs when they could have gone, you know, for short yardage every single time, like the defense was allowing them to. But I don't know what Andy Ludwig was doing. So that's a question we'll never know yep so were there any losers in this game besides utah the pack 12 i mean yes i hate to say it um if utah would have won they probably would have been in the cfp but because oregon won we brought them down quite a bit our victory took the pack 12 out of the championship yeah it's not it's not our it's not our fault but it's because of us. But yeah, the Pac-12 lost as a whole. Yep. Yeah, it's just the, uh, well, Pac-12 is going to Pac-12, as we all know. It's just, it's hard to go undefeated in this conference. 
as uh, Kyle Whittingham eloquently put it in his post-game presser. <laughs> yeah, it looks like the coach has studied the tape and uh, realized they can exploit the run game against a ridiculously talented Utah defensive front, and I was surprised by that. So it's just, um, I'll just say it was really surprising because I think most people were expecting Utah to win and win handily because the way both teams are going into this game. Yeah, it was surprising, I'll say. So I'm glad Oregon is the Pac-12 champ, and we're going to the Rose Bowl so against a, a familiar foe. Shall I say? Also, there's a trend going around Oregon Twitter of a uh, baby Yoda, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, uh, dressed up in Oregon. Skoda. Yeah, Skoda. Yeah. Also, there was a bet that I made on addicted to quick, addicted to quack Twitter, saying that if a cert, if this, if a tweet got three thousand retweets, we would change the logo to baby Skoda. So, unfortunately for the Duck fans, it did not happen. How many so, more? How many more do we need? Last time I checked, we were about three thousand seven, no, two thousand seven hundred fifty short. Mm, well, so you're saying there's still time. So I'll extend it to the Rose Bowl for you guys out there listening to this show. So re- find it and retweet it, please. <laughs> yeah, I believe that wraps up our uh, Pac-12 review. Uh, yeah, Oregon finally did it after some years away from the game. And Oregon is Oregon was the winningest Pac-12 program of the last decade, so that's pretty good. The Pac-12 led off the conference championship weekend. Uh, there were a couple of games on, namely the AAC championship, where the Memphis and Cincinnati went to the, went to the wire, and Memphis won. Back-to-back victories over Cincinnati. Yeah. Uh, in the same stadium. Secured their spot as a group of five representative in a New Year's Six Bowl. Mm-hmm. They're going to the Cotton Bowl, I believe, against uh, Penn State. Yeah, I think that was pretty much the only close game of the weekend, I believe. But um, LSU dominated Georgia in the SEC, and uh, they exposed Georgia as the frauds they are. So... I wouldn't say Georgia is fraudulent. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely yeah. not as good as people thought. They're still a great team. It's just LSU has a significantly better team. Georgia had between Cager being out with an injury and their other top wide receiver being suspended for the first half of the game. They didn't really have much to work with. Yeah, they're using yeah they're using fullbacks as receivers at one point. They, yeah, they were. It's and it's difficult yeah. to to win games like that. So I think that they did the best they could with what they had. Unfortunately, what they had wasn't great. So I think that at full strength, Georgia would have put up a better fight, a better game. Yeah. Um, but like defensively, I I said this last week. It's going to come down to LSU's offense versus Georgia's defense, and whoever wins that battle is going to come out on top. And LSU had an answer for everything that Georgia was doing defensively and decided that they were going to make a statement and just dominate yeah. Georgia. But Ohio State-Wisconsin was kind of a nail-biter. Uh, Wisconsin was up 14-7. to seven at, or Sorry, Wisconsin was up 21-7 at the half. Um, yeah. Everybody it, nervous. It was, uh, 
Ohio State reeled off 28 unanswered points and held Wisconsin scoreless in the second half. Really a tale of two, of two halves. If you're a Wisconsin fan, just watch the first half. If you're an Ohio State fan, just watch the second half. <laughs> yeah. It was a uh, Wisconsin just eventually wore down on defense and Ohio State just finally woke up. So, yeah, I think the playoff committee was watching that one with uh, on the edge of their seats, <laughs> I think. Because who knows how far Wisconsin would have risen up if Ohio State lost and if Ohio State was going to make the playoff at all if that happened. But fortunately, we don't have to, we don't have to think about that anymore. Yeah, the ACC was uh, basically Clemson just showing out and showing the committee that they belong as usual, so we'll just skip that game. Yeah, Virginia, they, they played a good first quarter, but Clemson stepped on the gas and did not look back. Yeah. You know, it was an interesting uh, conference championship weekend. Um, Don't forget the, the Big 12 championship game. Which was yeah, another 12, just was, uh, sloppy game between yeah. Oklahoma and Baylor. Yeah, and um, it was basically the playing game thanks to Oregon. Right. And Oklahoma just pulled that out in the overtime. So, yeah, it was, it was very, like you said, very sloppy. And Oklahoma just decided to be less sloppy and won it. There's only one game this weekend, uh, the Army-Navy game in Philadelphia. Arguably the best game of the year. It's definitely going to be the best game this week. Yeah. <laughs> as far as Division One teams go. Probably the game with the most pageantry, I'll say, in the tradition. Although, if you're also, looking for some good football, yeah. throw an eye to the Montana-Weber State game Yeah. this Saturday at about 7 on ESPN2. It's going to be some good football. Montana versus a fighting Damian Lillard. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, yeah, so Army-Navy. Oh, they're both triple option offenses. Uh, Paul Johnson might, you know, might have a fun time at this one. <laughs> <laughs> both head coaches are uh, former assistants of his, so they know each other very well. Can you pronounce yeah. the the name of the Navy's head coach? Ken Niyama, let me start over. Ken Niyama Matolo. One more time. Ken Niyama Matolo. Oh, so close. But yeah. you're closer than I could get, so I'll give it to yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Niyama Matololo, I think. Yeah. Ken, if you're believe listening. Believe it or not, he was a. Let us yeah, know. Believe it or not, he was campaigning for the Arizona job a couple of years ago before Ken Sumlin took it. Yeah. Kevin Sumlin. Yeah. And uh, Khalil Tate was like, no, no, no. <laughs> I don't want to be in a triple option offense. Well. I don't yeah. know. He would be good in it. He would be good in yeah. it. Um, so you... he's he's not much. He's not much of an NFL prospect anyway. So we'll save that for another day. <laughs> so you yeah. said you think Army wins this game. How come? Well, it, this this series tends to go tends to be a little streaky. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, speaking of bowls, I read the only bowl eligible team that missed out was Toledo. So. That's pretty sad for them. That is interesting. Yeah. Considering the last couple of years, we've had at least <clears throat> two five and seven teams. Yeah, if- the playoff, yeah, the playoff rankings came out this Sunday. And so one, it, in case you guys missed it, one is LSU. 
two is Ohio State, three Clemson, and four Oklahoma. And one and four play each other, two and three play each other. And, uh, yeah, so I think both of these games will be really interesting. I'm looking forward to watching Ohio State Clemson. Um, yeah. This is my championship game next year. Um, I think that this year Ohio State has it. But next year, I think Clemson's going to be able to get their act together and be yeah. the national champion that Dabo thinks that they are. I think that Ohio State's defense is just going to be way too much for, for Trevor Lawrence and that very okay offensive line. I think that it's going to come down to Trevor Lawrence being able to make quick decisions and being able to get the ball off to his playmakers fast, much like, uh, much like Jalen Hurts. It's gonna, that's something mm-hmm. that they're both going to have to be able to do in order to make up for the quality of defense that they're going up against because they just have these amazing playmakers. John Ross, Travis Etienne. I mean, that could go down the list, but we'd be here all night. Yeah. These guys are great in space. John Ross is, uh, is a sycamore of, of a man and throw it up and he'll catch it. He's probably taller than any of Ohio State's defensive backs, but that defense that Ohio State runs, they'll let you take like two or three yard passes. And it all, it's all going to come down to what your receivers can do after the catch. I think that Clemson has those yeah. receivers, but I also think that they're going to be have they're going to have a trouble with Ohio State's defensive line, particularly Chase Young, Heisman finalist Chase Young, Heisman finalist Chase Young, the fourth defensive, exclusively defensive player to be nominated for the Heisman. Don't think he's going to yeah. get it, but it's still pretty cool. What do you think about this one? I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how Clemson's receivers match up against um, Ohio State's talented secondary, namely Jeffrey Okuda. He's cornerback number one by far on my board. And Sean Wade and Damon Arnett aren't aren't slouches either. So it's going to be secondary secondary versus receiver battle. And, of course, NFL scouts will be paying attention to Trevor Lawrence against Justin Fields as they are projected to be the top two quarterbacks in the uh, 2021 draft. So it's going to be interesting to see. So LSU and Oklahoma, I think LSU is going to win that one by a couple of touchdowns, I think. Wait, we glossed over your your pick for this game. My pick is going to be, I would probably go with uh, Ohio State, probably. All right. Now, off to LSU. LSU and Oklahoma. I think LSU is going to win by at least two touchdowns because Oklahoma's defense is um has proven to be not that great lately. So, and yep. LSU's offense is proven to be unstoppable against even the best defenses like Georgia. So, um, but also there's a Heisman curse. So we'll see how that works out. Well, he's got to win the Heisman before he's cursed. Let's yeah. not count our let's not count our curses before they're hatched. Yes. <laughs> But he's the overwhelming favorite at this point, I think. He is. I haven't seen the status yeah. on Kenneth Murray. I know he went out a little bit, or he went out for the game uh, during the championship game, but I hadn't heard whether he's back for this one. Have you? I haven't heard anything yet. Right, that's going to be probably key, <coughs> is if he plays, 
Yeah. He reminds me a lot of our very own Javon Holland, the way that he mm-hmm. kind of patrols the middle of the field and does whatever he needs to do. I remember one game where he had an interception and he ran away from all from the wide receiver that he took the ball away from. He's that fast. So for this one, yeah, for this one, I think uh, I think LSU is going to win this one. So uh, LSU versus Ohio State for the uh, narrative matchup, Joe Burrow against his former team. That's going to be a game. Holy smokes. I saw that analytically, Clemson, the number three team this year, is better than almost every other number one seed that has been ranked since the college football playoff. So there's lots of high-quality football to be had, no matter who wins Ohio State, Clemson. And if we're being honest, Oklahoma can't, doesn't really match up to, to LSU. Um, so whoever LSU plays, whether it's Ohio State or Clemson, that's going to be a phenomenal game, probably with yeah. at least 25 players on the field uh, that will be playing <laughs> on Sunday. Yeah. So if you're a draft evaluator, you're just going to be like a kid in the candy store in that going. So, oh, man. Yeah you, uh, yeah, you get your work cut out for you there. You have to yeah. imagine those video sessions. Just every every seven or eight seconds, you're pausing and writing notes. Yeah. yeah. Thankfully, I watched a lot of Big Ten and ACC football over the over this season. So not many notes to be had this week. So. Yeah, and also, please follow my work on with the first pick. That's where all the draft stuff will be going. And um, so, yeah, please give us a follow. Speaking of bowl season, there are, outside of the playoff matchups, there are a couple of bowl games that have caught our eye. Uh, what are your favorites, some of your favorites? Well, outside the uh, the playoff, I'm actually looking really looking forward to the Chris Peterson Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, Washington versus the Murder Smurfs. <laughs> in Las Vegas, so it's a uh, it's a good west side of the map game. It'll be Chris Peterson's former team versus Chris Peterson's former team. Um, <laughs> right now, Washington's only a three and a half point favorite. Boise State is twelve and one, and Washington is seven and five. This is one of those weird games where the the numbers will lie to you. Right now, all of the uh, all of the analytics, all of the the pundits, Vegas, favor Washington. Uh, mm-hmm. We haven't really seen Boise State against a type of team quite like Washington. Um, I know what Washington is, and I know what Boise State is, but I don't know how those two are going to come together. <coughs> it's going to come down to which Jacob Eason takes the field, I think. If the good Eason takes the field, then Boise State's going to have some some issues. Yeah. But if he doesn't, Boise State has a defensive line that could hang with almost any Power 5 team out there. They've got their defensive <laughs> lineman, Curtis, Curtis Weaver, who had 19 sacks as a freshman. He's kind of taken a step back, but probably because people <clears throat> have some tape on him. But he's a beast up the middle and around the edge and in coverage. Yeah. And definitely something you're going to have to game plan against. And if there's something that we've noticed against the Washington Huskies, that they don't do a good job about game planning against one particular person they'll either focus too much on one person or they'll just play their own style of offense regardless of who's matching up against them so i think that washington 
better bring their A game if they want to win, but Boise State, in my opinion, probably going to win. If you have a shekel or hay penny or two put towards the outcome of a particular matchup, I would probably say bet Boise State here. Is there any other uh, game you're looking at? Um, to the first ball game of the season is uh, on December 20th. The Makers wanted Bahamas Bowl. Um, Buffalo versus Charlotte. I'll be I'll be consuming a lot of Makers wanted watching this game. <laughs> it's in uh, it's in the Bahamas, so that's mm. that should be a nice trip for the for the guys on both teams. So especially for Buffalo. <laughs> I, I would the weather, uh, weather in, in in upstate yeah. New York is going to be a little bit different than that in Nassau, Bahamas. Yeah, yeah. and the uh, Charlotte's head coach, uh, Will Healy, he's an up and comer, so keeping an eye out for his name for the bigger coaching jobs in the future. And the Charlotte Forty ers themselves are upcomers. I think yeah. this this is only yes. like the third or fourth year they've had a football program, period. Yeah. Let alone a Division One program. And to be going to a bowl, their fourth or fifth year mm-hmm. in existence, I'm not certain on those numbers. Uh, if anybody from the Charlotte 49ers athletic staff would like to contact me, correct me, please feel free. You can find me at underscore Duke Tom. Yeah, yeah. this is a great story about uh, Charlotte. <clears throat> also, I have my eye on the uh, Citrus Bowl, Michigan against uh, Alabama. Ooh. Have they, have they played the in a famous... bowl game before? I don't know. Uh, I think they have in the past. Yeah. Do you remember how that turned out? No. To quote the famous, uh, to paraphrase the famous uh, Steve Spurrier, you can't can't spell Alabama without the T-U in the citrus. Hmm. (laughs) Two, obviously, two is not playing in this game, but his younger brother probably will be. So that joke is uh, still relevant. (laughs) Hmm. Can't spell citrus without Tua. Uh, yeah, last time these these two teams met, I think it was also in the Citrus Bowl, or it might have been the Cotton mm-hmm. Bowl. Um, Michigan was resting a bunch of players, and Alabama was just pissed that they didn't make the the, the national championship game. Mm-hmm. And so it was a a Michigan team that was down a few men and apathetic Alabama team. It was just not good football, and hopefully that doesn't happen this game right mm-hmm. now alabama's only seven point favorite that's because they're expecting some of alabama starters to sit um i would expect some too um it's hard for me to to say that michigan's going to make it a good game until i see who those starters are <clears throat> yeah this should be this should be probably the most story driven game of mm-hmm. bowl season not necessarily the best football game or the most important but the one that more people talk about as bowl season continues yeah also i have my eye on the uh belt bowl as usual it's usually the funniest bowl game of the year rip belt bowl last year that belt's going to be sponsoring this bowl yeah that's unfortunate because the if you get if you guys follow the belt bowl social media account on twitter they're always good for a joke or two every day So what about the Belk Bowl it inspires you? Anything on the field or just because it's funny? Because it's funny. All right. Yeah. I'm uh, looking to see how the Virginia Tech is hoping to stop this <clears throat> all-purpose wide receiver, quarterback, kick returner, 
long snapper, uh, special teams coordinator, bottle filler, chains holder of a player in uh, Lynn Bowden Jr. Mm-hmm. He seems to be able to do everything on the field. He won a game by only throwing two passes and completing one of them. <clears throat> yeah. when, you can win, when you can win games like that, we can win games 45 to 13 and only throw two passes. So that's a pretty yeah. difficult offense to stop. Yeah, and Lynn, uh, Lynn Bowden declared for the draft the other day. So who knows if he'll skip the bowl game or playing it. It hasn't been decided yet. So yeah, I winner, believe he's playing in the bowl game. So Winner of the yeah. People's Heisman or the Bradley yeah. Van Pelt Award this year as given out mm. by the fine folks at battersociety.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another bowl game I have my eye on is uh, is uh, Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. No yes, longer that... the Kellogg's Frosted Flakes Bowl, but Tony yeah. gets his own bowl sponsorship. Yeah, it's a cereal. So, <laughs> yeah, so it's Florida State against Arizona State, so that's going to be an interesting matchup with a new coach at Florida State and Arizona State with all the seniors on that team. So it's going to be really interesting. I saw where uh, Florida State's interim will still be coaching this game. Yes, Odell Hagens. Uh, he's been there at Florida State for like over almost 30 years. Odell Hagens. Yeah, he's he is Mr. Florida State. All right. And he will be part of the staff, by the way, as a as, as a. <laughs> associate head coach and a defensive line coach so yeah yeah i was i was way off when i said that i didn't think florida state was going to hire norvell to take that vacancy yeah um i think it was it was just three days after i said that they they were they announced that (laughs) they were hiring mike norvell and we'll get to that coaching stuff later but odell and wants to we Florida State wants to be two in Odell because Odell is undefeated in bowl games. So hopefully we beat the Sun Devils and keep it alive. Two in Odell. <laughs> <laughs> there are a couple other bowl games, but we'll get to the bowl preview next week. So please stay tuned for that. Stay tuned, folks. In uh, duck news, uh, there's a couple, several big news items, namely several big news. Yes. Breaking news, actually. Well, not breaking, but you know, a couple of hours old. It's breaking now. Uh, yes, the Ducks' starting quarterback, Justin Herbert, just won the academic Heisman, the the William V. Campbell Trophy, with a 4.01 GPA. So, it's pretty elite company there. You can read all about it on the Addicted Quack page. And uh, Peanut Sewell continues to rack up the awards, and uh, he's been named. To the Pro Football Focus All America team, the 24 7 Sports All America team, and most likely will be named All America elsewhere. He's an Outland Trophy finalist, so hopefully he wins that one. And yeah, he basically, and he won the uh, Boris Trophy given to the Pac 12's best offensive lineman. And believe it or not, Bradley and I for Utah won the um won the defensive version of the award and Pinoch uh just shut him down in last Friday's game. And also the Hoops team, they uh, the women's hoops team, they bounced back from a loss with a win over the weekend. Were there any other news items? 
the all-conference team was announced today. Uh, yes, which is a joke, by the way. First and second. Between the first and second team, Oregon had five total. Two first team, three second team. Um, Justin Herbert, the honorable mention quarterback. Number the, the, the second team was Aaron Gordon, which, okay, sure, he put up a lot of good numbers. Um, and then the first one, I really can't argue with Tyler Huntley. As much as I want to argue with that, I don't think I can. He had a fantastic season. Congrats. In my opinion, it should be him, then Justin, and then you can pull the rest out of a hat, I suppose. I want to I wanna I just know think who voted was, for who. Yeah. That's what I want to know. Yeah, it's a joke. Uh, uh, Kyle Whittingham got voted uh, Pac-12 Coach of the Year, which is fine. He did an excellent job. I think it should have been Jonathan Smith, but I don't get a vote. Yeah. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think Jonathan Smith would have been the most more defensible choice for Coach of the Year, given Oregon State's uh, status in the conference and the way he elevated the program. So, yeah, so it's... um. I believe the voting was a joke, so I'll just keep it at that since it's a family-friendly show. <laughs> Thanks. Also, in the coaching in the coaching carousel, we had a couple of Dokes coaches and in, in the running for a couple of jobs. Uh, Marcus Arroyo was in contention for the UNLV job until today. It came out that LSU defensive coordinator Dave Miranda was the leading candidate, so we'll see how that works out. I think Iran is a better fit anyway. And also, running backs coach Jim Mastro was a candidate for Cal Poly until uh, Cal's um, offensive coordinator, Bo Baldwin, took a step down and was named the head coach there. Oh, shucks. I was really hoping. I mean, I love him here, but I was excited to see him jump up and get the uh, get a head coaching job somewhere. Yeah, he's. I believe he's like 53 or 54, so... Yeah. It's uh, it's, yeah. it's it's about time. If he wants one, he should probably yeah. get one. So we'll uh, we'll see if uh, any any of the other programs in the country start rating the Ducks staff for coaches. But it looks like nothing yet so far. Speaking of the coaching carousel, there's a couple of big moves on the radar. As we mentioned earlier, Florida State hired Mike Norvell from Memphis, and Arkansas hired a. Uh, uh, Sam Pittman, the offensive line coach from Georgia. So that's going to be a big loss for Georgia recruiting-wise and offensive line-wise because they have a they have an offensive line full of draft picks. So And they just hired uh, – Georgia hired Matt Luke, the former Ole Miss coach, who got fired for Ole Piss. <laughs> and in a corresponding move, Auburn hires Arkansas's Chad Morris as their offensive coordinator. That's going to be so, interesting. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting to see in Auburn who calls the plays because Gus called the plays last well, this year and Chad Morris is experienced as a play caller. So it's going to be really interesting how that dynamic works out. I wonder, yeah, I wonder how that happened because a lot of people were pandering to get Malzahn to Arkansas. Yeah. And now the former Arkansas coach is now coaching under Malzahn. The plot thickens. Yes. Hmm. And SC stupidly kept Clay Hilton. But and that's SC. There's also a rumor that came out today where uh, the athletic director basically felt angry at the president 
university president for throwing him under the bus. But that's just rumor and conjecture at this point. So we're not going to delve into that. Also, LSU kept Joe Brady for another year at least. So Ooh. congratulations to them. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, after the success of LSU how many teams go after NFL coordinators for their coordinator yeah. position. Because there's think, a lot of NFL coaches on the outs. I think that Joe Brady has kind of set a precedent mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. Um, in changing up how the uh, how the the pecking order goes a little bit here. Um, mm-hmm. Going, but usually it's it's you get a college head coaching position and you have success and then you go into the NFL as a coordinator and then you go into the NFL as a head coach and that's the the pinnacle that's the epitome of where you want to be but now it seems that uh you get a you can become a coordinator at college and then you can jump straight into a coordinator professionally and then go back to be a coordinator at college and do a better job there it's it's interesting yeah. to see to, to see how that swing is going to be if there's going to be more coaches wanting mm-hmm. to leave the NFL to go to to the NCAA or if it's still going to be the NFL is the place to be. And also Rutgers hired Greg Schiano. See also former NFL coordinators. He briefly had a cup of coffee with the New England New England Patriots this offseason, last offseason, but he quit. Was he a part of the Nick Saban coaches rehab program? I don't I think he was, wasn't he? No, no, he was not. No, okay. And uh, Eli, uh, what's his name? Elijah Drinkwitz. He got yeah, Drinkwitz. Yeah. So he got a four hundred percent raise from Appalachian State. So he's making four hundred four million dollars a year now. So congratulations on the jump up. Yeah, I think. I'm sorry, but App App State is App State, and Missouri that SEC money, you know, you take it every day. Yeah. 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 Plus, Missouri is not a bad place to to coach. Yeah. I mean, it's not like he's in I don't know yeah. Tennessee or Kentucky or somewhere in New England. I mean, Missouri is pretty centrally located. <laughs> Got really good access to uh, to to Texas and access. You're not that far away from Florida, I don't think. I mean, as a West Coaster, I kind of have a jumbled concept yeah. of the geography of the East Coast. But yeah, I mean, it's not bad. I'd like to coach at Missouri. I don't yeah. know if it'd be any good at it, but it'd be kind of fun. And our yeah, and our favorite hire, uh, Lane Kiffin to Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin to Ole Miss. I didn't see that coming at all. Yeah. I thought Lane Kiffin was going to ride out the FAU thing for at least four or five years, trying to probably until he got into the uh, the New Year's Six game. Um, but man, Lane Kiffin, Ole Miss. That is a better fit than I think I want to admit to myself. Yeah, and uh, he had a couple of jokes during the presser as well, saying that he had a better experience at the tarmac at Old Miss than he did at USC. That was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like thinking about Old Miss the last couple of years, it could have just been the uh, all the recruiting violations that they committed, but their identity in like the Lacan Treadwell DK Metcalf um yeah. like like in the in that Laquan Treadwell uh Robert Kim Dietschy, uh Greg Little era where they just had this this great offensive line and a quarterback that 
can has a big arm and speedy wide receivers that can take the top off the defense. That's what Lane runs. That's why Amari Cooper got or was a first round pick and not a a second round pick was because he fit Lane Kiffin's scheme. Now, yeah. I don't really see the current Ole Miss having those kind of the players quite yet, especially since they're still kind of the umbrella of the sanctions. They're, they're kind of sneaking mm-hmm. out from underneath it little by little. Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, the more I say it, the more I think about it, the more I like it. And I'm not a Lane Kiffin mm-hmm. or Ole Miss fan, but I mm-hmm. think that it's going to be good for the both of them. Yeah. Yeah, and also Mike Bobo went to uh, South Carolina as offensive coordinator, the former Colorado State head coach. Hmm. So now they have a Bobo and a clown running the Gamecocks. Yeah. Hmm. And speaking of the Gamecocks, uh, their former quarterback, Jake Bentley, transferred to Utah, so we'll be seeing him soon, I believe. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, it just came out yesterday. Uh, I was rooting for him at South Carolina. Yeah, so there's bound to be more coaching moves on the carousel as recruiting heats up and season ends, and uh, we'll keep an eye out for those. As of now, of the five group of five conference champions, three of the teams, their head coaches have jumped to a Power Five conference team. We'll see if this trend continues. I think... Yeah, Miami of Ohio and Boise State are the only two conference champions from the group of five who still have their head coach. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, well, the coaches aren't come up, so you know, we'll root for them. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah happy for them, but yeah, yeah I still kind of kind of root for the little guy. I like seeing. Yeah, uh, I, I was really hoping that Drinkwitz would stay at, at App State and just turn them into. Uh, mm-hmm. into the, the Boise state of the late nineties, early aughts, mid aughts, late aughts. And I really wanted to see Kiffin t- take FAU and bring them up. And I really, like, I'm, I'm rooting <laughs> for all these, these small schools with awesome coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, I was rooting for Matt rule at temple uh, to just take that team to the next level. I really want to see somebody that's not Boise state really commit to a program and bring it into a national championship power and keep it there for a little bit. I mean, you saw what Scott Frost did at Mm -hmm. Central Florida. I was really sad when I heard he was leaving, as much as I love the guy uh, being a former Oregon coach. Mm -hmm. I was really hoping he would stay there at Central Florida and really be able to push and make that legitimate argument, not just the tongue-in-cheek argument that is tongue-in-cheek for everybody outside of the state of Florida for that national championship bid. I, I really, really want to see a f- group of five team and say, yes, that team can win the national championship. But that's not going to happen if all these great coaches keep jumping up to power five teams. I don't know. I'll get off my soapbox now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting how the carousel end, finally ends, how that everyone, everyone works out this game of musical chairs. Onto our quack and answer segment. Quacks and answers. <laughs> Let me get our first question here. Uh, Team Donkey asks, "Should I get that stupid Disney Plus thing?" Yes, you should. I'm not getting it out of principle. I'm already paying more for add-on subscriptions and 
other services than I would be just for regular cable bill. So mm-hmm. it's hard for me to, to tack on an extra, what is it, mm-hmm. seven bucks a month? I don't yeah. know. I don't doubt that the content's good. I don't doubt that it's it's worth it. But I would probably say get it and then drop something else. Okay, and the Cyril Figus asks, Baby Yoda or Baby Groot? Hmm. 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 Well, I would go with Baby Yoda because Baby Groot represents a tree, and we don't like trees, particularly the Stanford tree we don't like. So Baby Yoda. I'm saying Baby Yoda only, only because of the Skoda affiliation. Mm-hmm. Please keep on submitting them either on the Addicted to Quack Twitter account or on the Quack Fix when we ask for them. And also one bit of coaching news that just came across the wire a couple of days ago was uh, South Florida hired uh, Jeff Scott, one of Clemson's co-offensive coordinators. Great, Scott! So Willie Taggart still doesn't have a job. Oh, man, what's Willie going to do? I don't know. Maybe we should bring back our What's Willie segment for that one for that one day that he gets hired. <laughs> well, we'll see. Yeah. Also, uh, I'd like to make an announcement, a special announcement for the show, that we are going to host a live show, a live call-in show for the listeners out there where they can call in and uh, get some airtime to rant and rave and whatnot. So please keep an eye out for that. So we'll we'll be announcing it shortly. So yeah. So trying to work out some of those some of the kinks and some of the logistics <clears throat> about how we, exactly we do that. But we still we think it would be a lot of fun to be able to yeah. to have a show where people can call in and not just have to submit questions on Twitter, but also like make it a part of a part of the show. If it's successful enough, shoot, let's keep it going. So that's all the closing thoughts I have for tonight. And uh, so the Ducks are on to the Rose Bowl to face the Badgers of Wisconsin. So we'll have another show, another couple of shows in between then. So, um, yeah, and that wraps up our show for today. And go Ducks. Go Ducks.